0: At either 414 442 7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. One of the reasons why we need to, um, we need to press into his presence this way is because the news um, was broadcast this past uh, week that Pastor Jason Webb of Elmbrook Church uh, had a moral failure. Uh, Jason is a very dear friend of mine. Uh, He's a brother in arms. Uh, He's a friend of Park Lawn as well as Elmbrook Church is a friend of Park Lawn and a friend of our Prism Economic Development Corporation and our Upstart Kitchen. And uh, that news is a warning for all of us. It's a caution for all of us. Uh, it's, It's often that Leaders make the news. Right? Come on, when your sin is is done in the dark, you don't make the news. <laughs> Amen. Don't don't think that <laughs> don't think that only leaders are human. I know you're human too, because if it's happening at that level, if it's happening at that level, the largest church in the state, we know it's happening at the congregation level. But it's a warning for all of us to listen to God. I shared with the leaders on yesterday that one of the differences between King Saul and King David, the Lord chose David after King Saul refused to obey him fully. And he called David a man after his own heart. Even though David was still a boy, God saw a king inside of the kid. You know, God looks beyond our failings and our and our finiteness, and he sees a destiny. He sees us finished, and he calls us those things which be not as though they were. But he rejected King Saul because he did not fully obey him. And he told the prophet Samuel to speak to Saul and uh saw samuel was grieved that he had to give the news to to the king that god had rejected him that god fired him but he had to tell the king that the lord does not delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice but obedience is better than sacrifice and to heed he says is better than the fat of rams that word heed means to listen that we, we, we really need, the reason we need emotionally healthy spirituality is that we all need to slow down and listen to God. We need to heed. We need to hear what the spirit is saying to us, where he's directing us to go, where he's telling us to stop. We need to slow down and listen to what's happening inside of me. What are the emotions the, the drives, the passions, the appetites that are happening in me. What's, what's calling for my attention in this season? You need to heed. And then we also need to stop and, and we need to be aware of what happened before us. What, what was the pattern of our, of our ancestors, of our mother and father and our grandmother and grandfather? Those genealogies are important because there's a such thing as generational curses as well as generational blessings. We're going to learn about that in emotionally healthy spirituality. Too often we have uh, we have discounted emotions, and you know, we even preachers we tell us we tell you that you know emotions are unreliable, and you know, go by faith and not by feelings. But feelings are given to us by God for a reason. We need to heed. We need to know what's going on. So I encourage you to resist the temptation to blow off this opportunity on wednesday um it'll be it'll be going on throughout the rest of this year that's how important it is we took the first six months to take our leaders through it we're taking the last four months for the congregation to soak and saturate uh in a slowed down life slowing down to be with god so that we can be spiritually mature and then learning how to Listen to the voice of God, learning how to listen to the voice inside of us, learning how to to listen and look at what happened before we got here because we all have baggage that we're carrying right now that that was given to us and we need to learn how to deal with those things so uh, I say I share uh, about Pastor Jason Webb. I share about myself as well. I don't know if you all realize that pastors are human. I know some of y'all think that we flew in here instead of drove. Or just, you know, just kind of woke up and being, you know, just got just being we're just here. No, we're human too. Amen. We're not perfect. We're not immune to distractions. We're not immune to temptations. It was Bishop uh, Andrew Mwenda, um, I think it was last year during... Our um, anniversary celebration that he preached from a text in John chapter 1 and he talked about John the Baptist and he said there was a man sent from God whose name was John he tore that scripture up and broke it down and said three things number one there was a man he's a man number two even though he's a man he's still sent from God amen God doesn't call the perfect he calls you and I in our in our humanity Says his name was John. And I know that some people were probably happy to hear the news of his moral failure and happy to hear the news of a church that is in crisis and confusion and chaos. And perhaps some are like those um, religious legalists in John chapter 8 when they drug the woman caught in the act of adultery threw her down before Jesus and said, you know, the law says she should be stoned. But what do you say? And that's not the spirit that God has given us. We have the spirit of Christ who rose up and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In fact, I want to I want to we're going to pray for Pastor Webb in a moment. But I want to call your attention to Galatians chapter six. Uh, in verse 1 through 4, this is uh, sort of an introduction to the message this morning. But in Galatians chapter 6, you know, the the scripture was not written in chapters. It was just written in a letter form. Uh, And then the canonization of scripture broke it up into chapters. But Galatians chapter 6, that portion follows uh, Paul's writing about the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh. And he's writing... Uh, calling and exhorting the church to be spiritually mature, to be uh, spirit-filled and spiritually fruit-filled people of God, not just tongue-talking, but having the fruit of the Spirit. And he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and how it's manifested. And then he says in verse uh, 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who are spiritual or who live by the spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. See, that's what spiritually mature people do. They carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Spiritually mature people are not proud and puffed up each one should test their own actions then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else I was meditating I'm going to pray in just a moment for that church and for the pastor and his family but I was meditating on an old hymn some of you old saints wouldn't remember this on Christ the solid rock I stand I'm telling you this is a season where you better shift on the rock all of the ground is sinking sand My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I'm telling you, that's where it is, saints. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. Don't even trust yourself. Don't trust your flesh. But I wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face. I rest on his unchanging grace. You know, darkness is going to show his face one time in your life. You either in a storm night right now, you might have just come out of one, or you're getting ready to go into one. And it's going to be dark in that storm. The devil has a, a trap waiting for every one of us. When he shows his lovely face, you better rest on God's unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. The last verse says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, this is my prayer. Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, not my own, but in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Father God, we thank you right now for the blood. We thank you for your righteousness, O God. Oh God, where would we be without your blood? Where would we be without the righteousness of Jesus Christ who became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God? Thank you, Lord God, for your cross. Thank you, Lord God, for your covenant with us, Lord. Oh God, thank you that your love never runs out and never fails and you never give up on us, oh God. And, Lord, I thank you that even now you yet love Pastor Jason Webb and his wife Heather and their children. You yet love the saints at Elmbrook Church, God. And, Father, we just lift our prayers up for them right now. And, God, we pray that in the midst of this earthquake and of this shaking and of this rattling, I thank you that the church is built on the rock of Jesus Christ that it's not built on man, it's not built on Pastor Webb, it's not built even on Bishop Harvey, but it's built on the rock, Jesus Christ. He is the rock. All of the ground is sinking sand, God. And I thank you, Father, that even out of this tragic situation, that you will bring about good, you will bring about healing, you'll bring about hope, God. You'll bring life out of a dead situation, God. Hallelujah. You'll take our mess, God, and you'll you'll turn it into a message For a messed up age, oh God, we pray your grace, your healing, your your protection, your provision, your hope for that family and for that man of God and for that church, Lord. And we give you thanks and praise, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. All of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees, said, amen. 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 This morning, I want to talk about a prayer. The title of the message is, Lord, deliver me from distraction. Deliver me from distraction. How many of you need that and make that your prayer this morning? Lord, deliver me from distraction. Every hand should be up in this place. The reason that pastors fall is because they're distracted. The reason that you live a life of compromise is because you're distracted. The reason that you're not further along in your spiritual journey or in your professional career or the goals that you set in your life or your marital happiness is because along the way you've been distracted. People fall and people fail because of broken focus. And distractions are a trick that the enemy uses. He's got a trick bag, y'all, and one of his best ones is distraction. He uses that to delay and to destroy your destiny. I'm telling you, distractions are dangerous. They're a spiritual weapon of the enemy. But they also can be a natural danger. How many car accidents have we seen? How many fatalities have occurred because somebody was driving while distracted? They were more concerned about the pickle on their pants than they were keeping their eyes on the road. They were prioritizing more the information that was coming across their cell phone or the conversation that they were on or the conversation in the back seat than they were focusing on what was coming down the road in front of them. How many of you ladies will testify that your man sometimes gets distracted when you're talking to him? Y'all are scared to talk about it. But a few of y'all are like, come on now. But distractions can destroy destiny. So our prayer today is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. He said, Lord, teach us, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And one of the things the Lord taught them to pray is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We need deliverance from distraction. Let me go a little bit deeper and say that the church suffers from several conditions I'm going to expose today. One of the spiritual conditions that we suffer from is spiritual ADD. Spiritual attention deficit disorder. We're distracted by all of our technology, all of our pads and phones and I this and E that and emails and hobbies and sports. We got the Martha syndrome down well. We talked about that last week. We got all the stuff in our lives. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. But anything that pulls you out of the presence of God is not a good thing. Even good people can be a distraction. Everybody has an agenda. Everybody wants something from you. And people don't care whether they are pulling you out of the presence of God as long as they get what they want from you. So even sometimes people can be a distraction. I've said this quote before. If the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. God wants us to prioritize his agenda, not other people's agenda, not our own agenda. God's agenda and his dreams are more important than what you have on your agenda. In Matthew 6 and 33, Jesus said, seek ye first his kingdom, his kingdom, his agenda, his rulership. What does the king require of me? Seek his kingdom and his righteousness and all of the things will be given unto us. And so we need to stop idolizing stuff, stop idolizing people, stop idolizing possessions. Because it can lead to the delay and the destruction of your destiny. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 9. I'm going to read from the Living Bible, Luke chapter 9. Verse 57, Jesus' disciples were walking along and someone said to Jesus in verse 57, I will always follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus replied, remember, I don't even have, I don't even own a place to lay my head. Foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but I, the Messiah, have no earthly home at all. Another time when he invited a man to come with him to be his disciple, the man agreed but wanted to wait until his father's death. Jesus replied, let those without eternal life concern themselves with things like that. Your duty is to come and preach the coming of the kingdom of God to all the world. Another one said, Yes, Lord, I will come, but first let me ask permission of those at home. Jesus told him, Anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work that I plan for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. In, in the book that we're going to be focusing on uh, on Wednesdays, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality book, the author Peter, Peter Scazzaro, he says we need to recognize that there are powerful external forces that exist in the culture to cut us off from communion from abiding, from remaining with Jesus. Behind these distractions and seductions to pull you and me away from Christ are demonic evil powers. The challenge to resist this beast, as the book of Revelation describes, requires a radical solution. Simply committing ourselves to spiritual disciplines or even trying harder is not enough. The invitation is to intentionally take one step to develop your own personal rule where you intentionally anchor yourself in the midst of a hurricane pace of our 24th century world where you are swimming against such a strong current. Without the anchor of this rule of life, it's almost impossible. And eventually we will find ourselves unfocused, distracted, And adrift spiritually. Lord deliver me from distractions. You know distractions I think have. They've become an addiction. Not only do we deal with spiritual ADD. But we are addicted to distraction. We're addicted to distraction. We can't have a meal without our cell phone. Married folk can't even have sex without the cell phone next to, the, next to them on the bed. We're addicted to being distracted. Our brains are always on. Our minds are always racing. It's become, a, it's, it's become an addiction. It's a hormone. We just don't know how to shut it down. And you don't need a 12-step program. God is bringing a 12-step program right to you on Sunday and Wednesdays. Because he wants to deliver his people from distraction. That scripture we just read in Luke chapter 9, Jesus was saying to his, his followers and to the crowd and to the disciples, he said, listen, if you're going to follow me and be my disciple, you can't be distracted. You, you have to prioritize me. You you can you can't be addicted to your cell phone and the people's agenda. You got to be addicted to me. That's what he was saying. I want you to be so addicted to me that you your ear is attuned to me all the time. You hear my breath when I whisper. You see my hand when I when I just motion. I don't have to do something catastrophic in your life to get your attention. I don't have to put you on the news. I don't have to put you on your back in the hospital because you're addicted to me. Something else about distractions is that they reveal the condition of our heart. (laughs) Whatever you're regularly distracted by. Whatever gets your attention is letting you know where your heart is. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's constantly drawing your attention. That's your God. that, That has become an idol for you. In Psalm 139, the psalmist prayed. He said, Lord, you have searched me. And you know me. You know when I sit. You know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. The psalmist is saying, Lord, you, you see what's going on in my heart. And so in verse 23, he says, Lord, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Distractions can reveal what's really in your heart. But if you don't take the time to stop and slow down and listen and look and be aware of what's going on inside of you and what happened before you got here and listen to the voice of the Spirit, you will miss God. And it can destroy your destiny. Here's another key principle is that distractions and resistance work together Sometime, You know, the way that I got this body you know, and I know, don't, don't hate, don't be jealous, but, you know, I, many hours. I put in a lot of time. Not in the gym, but at the kitchen table to get this body. Right? I earned every roll. Amen. Every pound. No, but if you, if you really want a chiseled body, you have to embrace the principle of resistance. You have to push against something. You, you, your body has to strain and it's got to stay, the muscles have to stay in that position for, for a period of time until they stretch. And resistance literally works together for the good of the body. Like Romans eight twenty eight tells us, all things work together for the good. And God wants you to know that one of the ways that you can overcome distraction is through the principle of resistance. The longer that you resist the distraction, or resist the temptation, you get stronger. If you're constantly giving into it, every time it shows up, every time the phone rings, every time the door knocks, every time the, 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 the text beeps, or an email comes through, a notification, you will never get stronger in breaking free from the distraction. This, this principle is seen in um, how professional dog trainers work with with animals it's called impulse control and the and the animal trainer will, will set a temptation in front of the dog and when the dog is ready to move to get it they'll get the dog's attention or they'll click something to cause the dog to look back at them not at the temptation and the more that the, the dog and the trainer do that together the more control, the more resistance the dog will have to the temptation. He won't even look at the temptation. He'll keep his eyes on the master. How many of you know that that's what God's trying to do with you and I? He's trying to use resistance to help you to stay free from distraction. Here's a biblical example in Matthew chapter 14. We talked about this last week that Jesus sent his disciples into a storm while he stayed up on the mountain praying. I believe that Jesus was trying to teach Peter, James and John and Andrew and the other disciples the principle of resistance. He was trying to build their spiritual faith muscles by putting them in a storm, putting them in high waves and heavy winds. And when when Jesus came walking on the water Peter said, Lord, if it's really you, command me to walk on the water too. Jesus says, come on, you can do it. He got out, on the, out of the boat, started walking on the water. It was amazing. Until the scripture says he took his eyes off Jesus and he began to look at the wind. And see the waves. And that's when he began to sink. God was trying to teach him the principle of resistance. He's trying to teach us that, that like the dog and like Peter, we got to keep our eyes stayed on Jesus. Stop looking so much at the temptation. There's, there's one of my favorite worship songs. There's a song that, that it's, it's, I think it's called the heavenly, heavenly meditation. But it, the, the, the chorus is turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of the earth will go strangely dim. They will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. It's when we turn to Jesus that we would look and live. Here's another condition that distraction has created within the body of Christ. It's called narcissism. It's not just in the White House. With our politicians, I'm serious. We have a narcissistic president, but I see it in pastors. I see it in uh, entertainers and athletes. I even see it in our students. the The spirit of of narcissism is still yet alive in our society today, and and this this spirit goes back to a Greek myth. Uh, of a young man named Narcissus. He was a handsome young man, and he was indifferent to everybody. And so the penalty and punishment of the gods is that they made him so beautiful that he couldn't stop looking at himself. And one day he was walking through the woods, and he came across a pond, and he saw his reflection in the water. And the myth says that he sat down there on the on the grass, looking at his face in the water, and he couldn't break away from it, and he eventually just just deteriorated into the ground, and that's where the daffodil or the narcissus flower comes from. We have that same spirit alive today in America. Let me talk about it in our children. One study that was done found that 30% of young people were classified as narcissistic. This was a psychological test. In nationwide report, it takes teens longer to get ready in the morning than any time since we've been studying the topic. They're distracted by the mirror. Anybody heard of Dr. Drew, the TV psychologist? He performed a study of celebrities and he found them to be even more narcissistic than the general population. I'm not surprised at that. He says what's funny is that celebrities who were most prone to narcissistic personality disorder were reality TV stars. You're fired. Hollywood housewives and basketball wives and you know all the other shows y'all be watching. That's one. That's one TV show I cannot. Well, I don't like reality shows. People who are narcissistic tend to love being on reality TV shows. Another study was done that published the changes in music lyrics over the past three decades. I remember going to a few quarter parties back in the 70s with the red light in the basement and the music was, it wasn't as narcissistic as it is today. The music today reflects, you know, images and and lyrics that talk about I and me and it's all about, you know, what I want to do to you and what I want you to do to me and the objectification of women. All of this is cultivating this spirit of of self-idolization in our generation. And the solution is that we turn our eyes to Jesus. That we look full in his wonderful face. That we stop looking at the temptation and the distraction. Here's a scripture that, that helps us to do this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 13 through 18 the scripture says in verse 13 that we are not like moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away but their minds were made dull for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read it has not been removed because only in christ is it taken away even to this day when moses is read A veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces, we contemplate or we behold the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with an ever-increasing glory. Now the solution to that spirit of narcissism, that spirit of self-distraction is to stop looking at the natural mirror and start beholding the face of Jesus in his presence. See, the presence of Jesus is a mirror. Then when you press into his presence and you linger in his presence, you become like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. When he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he also saw himself. The Lord's presence is a mirror. You'll see how great and how glorious and how holy and how awesome he is. And how sinful and how small and how unknowledgeable and ignorant you really are. And you'll cry out, oh Lord, have mercy upon me. The solution to narcissism is looking at the mirror of his presence and looking at the mirror of his word. Because the word is a mirror. If we, don't, if we don't just hear the word but become doers of the word, it will be because we have sat in the presence of God and we have beheld his glory and we continue to behold his glory and we become changed from glory to glory and faith to faith and strength to strength. I'm going to close with this illustration. How many of you love a good sale? Clothing sale. I'm going to tell you, you can get some good deals right now. You know why? It's because the stores have a clearance sale going on right now. They're getting rid of the summer merchandise. Isn't that right, Sister Angie? They're getting rid of the summer. She wears, she know fashion. I'm telling her secrets. They're getting rid of the summer stuff, and they're bringing in the winter stuff. It's on clearance. And you know what? They don't care about the summer stuff anymore. It's not a priority to them anymore. In fact, it's considered clutter. And to get rid of it, they're motivating you to come in and get it and they say 60% off. Well, it's already marked up about 250% anyway, so (laughs) they can afford the 60% off. It's not a priority to them. It's clutter. They're getting rid of the old to make room for what's a priority for them, the new stuff, because that's not going to be on sale. Summer stuff is secondary to them. It's not primary. When you look in the face of God and his presence and you look into the word and you continue to linger in the word, I want you to, when you're in that moment, to begin to ask God, Lord, Lord, what is secondary in my life? What do you want me to, to clear out? What do you want me to get rid of? What do you, what, what's clutter in my life, God? What needs to go on clearance? That's what Jesus did when he came into the temple. And when he got into the temple in Matthew 21, he drove out all of those who were buying and who were selling there. He overturned the tables of money and their benches of, their, of those selling doves. And he said it is written my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. He got rid of the clutter because the outer court was supposed to be a place of prayer. It was supposed to be a place where the common people of God could come in. And they could linger in his presence and they could be saturated with the joy of the Lord. Where they could hear the word of God and they could constantly linger over the word like a mirror. But the religious leaders had turned the outer court into a place of merchandise. Now, please don't get this wrong and take this as, see, that's why we shouldn't be selling stuff in the cafe and we shouldn't be selling tickets. and we, That's not what the scripture is talking about. That's, that's a religious perspective. But he's talking about my father's house should be called a house of prayer for all nations where everybody could come and and commune with their father. But the religious people had made it a place of merchandise where you could get your dove. You could buy your sacrifice right there in the outer court. And it was all about money and profits and not about people in the presence of the Lord. And so Jesus went about the business of removing the clutter, clearing everything out so that the people once again could commune with the heavenly father. And you know what the interesting thing is in Matthew 21 in verse 14? The Bible says that the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. Could it be that the reason that your healing is not being manifested It's because there's too much clutter in your life that you're too busy to hear the voice of God. You're you're on the go. You don't have time to stop and linger in his presence. God wants to get the clutter out right now because he wants people to come in and be healed. And so you and I, we have to become passionate about removing barriers and obstacles, removing the clutter out of your life. Your destiny is at stake. Your destiny is at stake. I'm telling you, it's those who have removed distractions who will get the blessing. Those who have recognized, you know, Lord, I've got, some, I've got too much self-love going on in my life. Maybe i got a little bit of, of narcissism in me. That it's all about me getting pleased. It's all about me doing what I want to do. I'm convinced that a lot of people are getting married for the wrong reasons. They get married because they want to have sex. You made an idol out of sex. You don't care about the person. You just care about your own needs. Lord, be, begin to reveal those things to you. If you just stop and slow down. I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that I'm like Peter. And I take my eyes off of Jesus and I start looking at the wind and I start paying more attention to the waves when I should be walking on the water and walking and enjoying my fellowship with my Lord. I get distracted and I turn my eyes from him and I start looking at everything else. That's a dangerous place to be in. If you're in that place today, I'm telling you, deliverance is in the house today. Lawn Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.